Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message. We live in a world where uh, self-care is talked about a lot, and we hear that term a lot, and uh, that term is kind of spiked in the last few years of this, this idea of self-care. And what, what it means when people say that is it means having, um, taking the time to work on your mental health and work on your physical health and making sure that in times, especially during times of stress, that you take time to do something that helps you kind of recharge and rejuvenate. And this can mean a lot of different things for people. It can be hobbies or exercise or reading, watching TV, Um, but it's supposed to be kind of not super mentally taxing. Um, And if if you're one of those people, it can be physically taxing. Maybe it is exercise for you, but this is a common term that we've heard a lot over the last few years, but it's not a new concept. In fact, it's not, it's, you could say it's a concept quite literally as old as time. Uh, God values rest. He values rest. He values um, us taking time to mentally and physically and spiritually to value him and to recenter on him. In fact, in Genesis, in the creation story, the first thing that God says was blessed was man and woman. The very second thing was the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath day, God rested. Was it because he needed to rest? Well, no, God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present, but once again, God was creating, he created the Sabbath so that we would rest, to say, hey, rest is important. And it's much more than just, you know, like vegging out and like watching your favorite TV show or going on a run or playing a video game. It's so much more than that. Rest is for us to recenter our labor and to remind us who we labor for. So it's for us to quite literally to, to kind of take a step back from the work that we're doing and to recenter on why we are doing what we're doing. And spiritual rest involves prayer, it involves reading God's word um, and contemplating who God is and what he has done for us, what Christ has done for us. It's this idea of saying, okay, I've, I've done kingdom work as a Christ follower, I've done kingdom work, I have ministered to a world that is hostile against me, I have you know, loved others, um, I've been rejected, I've done all these things, I'm gonna take this day and I'm gonna remind myself why I do what I do. So we were built to work like even before the fall, like God destined us to work. We are, we are destined to work. God put in us this desire to create and to build and to seek accomplishment. But here's the thing. It's taxing. Mentally, physically, spiritually, it's, it's very taxing on us. So God, knowing that, said, I will give them a day of rest. He instituted that day of rest before sin ever entered the world. So it wasn't like, a well, we were all good before the fall, and then after the fall, well, God gave us kind of this supplement. No, this was God-given from the beginning, this idea of resting, of taking a break so that we can refocus on what's important. So we're going to be in Matthew this morning, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. And uh, Matthew is, is in a very interesting gospel. It was written to the Jews, we, and we, when you read it, you can see a big focus on, um, on prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy. Even it opens with like the paternal lineage of Jesus through Joseph, uh, which again, we know that Joseph wasn't 
like Jesus didn't have an earthly father, but this would have mattered to Jews. So a lot of it is the response to Judaism. A lot of it is um, this heavy focus on where the Jews were and what Jesus was doing there. So the law was given to Jews to reinforce their faith. If you've read Exodus and you've read through Leviticus, like it was there to reinforce their faith in God, to point them to God, to point them to him, to point them to the one who their affections were supposed to be focused on. But much like happens whenever humans touch things and people mess with things and people institute things, They began to change their focus. The law was a tool to help them look forward and to see God, but they began to change their focus, and the goal was no longer to strengthen their faith in God, but rather to fulfill the law, to do the rules, to do what they saw the law told them to do. And they were like, well, if I can do that, then I've nailed it. Paul says in in Romans 9.32 that the Jews did not pursue the law by faith, but as if it were based on works. You see, it wasn't a tool to point them to to God, point them to him, to say, hey, look look at them. Well, it was, but they ended up making it like a job description that they could earn the wages of salvation. So if I do the law, if I follow the law to the letter, I can earn my salvation. It, was, it wasn't grace through faith like we know. It was more like, um, more like grace through works, which doesn't make sense because the whole point of grace is receiving something that we can't get ourselves. It's re- like if I give you grace, it's giving you forgiveness. If I give you grace, it's giving you something that you can't earn yourself. This is grace. But they're saying, oh, well, no, I can earn it. Well, we can't earn it. You can't earn it, and they couldn't earn it. But this is what they pursued. It was grace through works. They had looked away from God to what God had given them, and they had made that particular thing the goal. And in this day where Jesus was living, uh, people thought very highly of these religious leaders, these Jewish religious leaders, but no one thought more highly of them than themselves. They thought that, oh, man, we're, I'm, we're good. Look, look at me. Look, as I walk through the streets, people would look and, man, you know, they've got it figured out. They follow the law to the letter, and they would do everything they could to make sure that people knew that they were following the law. And the focus was the law, and the focus was doing the things they were supposed to. When studying for this, I went on like a, a rabbit trail, as I often do, uh, about like modern Orthodox Jews and the things that they do to avoid work on the Sabbath. So it's things like in a lot of buildings, like in, uh, in heavily populated Jewish areas, the elevators on the Sabbath will go up and open on every door. That way they don't have to press a button because that's work. Their lights will be on timers or they'll hire a Gentile to come in and turn their lights on and off because if you, light, if you turn a light on, it counts as, uh, it violates two things. Number one, it violates uh, building a fire. If you turn it off, it's cutting a fire out. It also is building and destroying. So like, it's two things. So we don't turn lights on, but we can have Alexa do it for us, right? Or we can set it on timer, or we can hire a Gentile who doesn't have the same convictions to come in and do it. So listen, like for a day of rest, it's a lot of work, Right? So like they're working really hard to do this in this day and they're making a big deal about it. And again, uh, they made sure everyone know, knew that they did what the law commanded. So in, in walks Jesus again. This is the modern day that they're in, these religious leaders. And uh, in this day, Jesus was there. And on the, Sermon on, the Mount, on the Sermon on the Mount, he had said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So we often look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and we say, well, the whole point of the Old Testament was kind of wipe the 
The whole point of the New Testament was kind of made the Old Testament obsolete. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. Again, Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, and we'll, we'll look a little more about that in just a second. But the law was to point to the fact that God would send salvation through the Jews, and at this point, he's there. Salvation had been sent there. He's walking among them. He had done mighty works in towns, and with where we're going to pick up, he had just called out all these cities where it said some of his most mighty works had been done, and they hadn't repented. So they loved the thing that Jesus gave them, which was healing and miracles, but they didn't really want to commit to the person themselves. And Jesus says, it's, it's a scathing passage. He says, woe to you. Woe to you. I did all these things. Woe to you because you didn't follow them. And he ends it with saying, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than it, was, than it will be for you on judgment day. Well, we know what happened to Sodom. It was destroyed in fire and brimstone. Like It'll be more tolerable what happened to them than what happened to you. This is a, a strong statement, not from, not from Jesus who's just good riddance, this is what's going to happen to you, but from a Savior who is broken because they had seen the Savior in the flesh, but they hadn't repented. Jesus is brokenhearted. Jesus is sad. He's sorrowful and he's dejected. And the passage we see after is Jesus' response to this spiritual tiredness. And he turns his response into a teachable moment for the people he's with. So verse 25 through 26, we learn that um, Jesus had just said this scathing thing to these people. Woe to these cities, woe to these cities. And he responds with, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understand and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such is your gracious will. So here's what we have to learn. We cannot come to know Christ apart from humility. There's no compromise. It's not like a, and again, I've heard people say things like, well, you know what, me, me and God kind of have an understanding. Well, you don't have an understanding of God then. There's no understanding. It's all or nothing. It's 100% or it's nothing. It is a full commitment to him. We can't possibly come before Christ thinking, you know what, I'm doing the Lord a favor. He's lucky to get me. No, because ultimately what becoming a Christ follower is is to reject the idea that I am sufficient and to understand that apart from Jesus, no one is good. Any self-sufficiency I have, anything that I bring to the table is nothing. God doesn't need me to bring what, he doesn't need me to bring what I have to the table. I have to become humble. And again, this is not a new concept. Again, these Jews who would say that they were in the right, they were where they needed to be. They had, they had wisdom, they, they knew the law, they knew, uh, they knew scripture, they knew all of these things. Yet in Psalm 8-2, it says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength. And later in Matthew, Jesus would say that we must humble ourselves like a little child. We have to come into it teachable. I have to realize that what I bring to the table with my sinful nature, like I have to put that aside and I have to wholly, 100% focus on God, the creator, and realize that I'm not doing him a favor. That apart from him, I can't save myself. I can't come to know salvation. I have to come in saying, okay, Lord, I humble myself completely. Because if we choose to follow Jesus, we don't have the capacity of pride. We can't have pride in our hearts and follow Christ. We can't say, oh, well, I, well, look at me. And then also tell somebody to look at Jesus. 
Because ultimately, we have to reject that sinful nature. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Which, by the way, James is quoting Proverbs three thirty four. This is not a new concept of, hey, be here, be a great teacher, know the law, do the law. And now Jesus said, well, now you've got to be humble. No, humility was part of it from day one. Rejecting oneself and seeking God first was part of it from day one. And these, these, these lowlier Jews, these people who weren't religious leaders, had seen, again, you see a teacher of the law, you see a Pharisee walking down there, and you go, man, I need to be more like him. Man, I need more like them. Yeah, there was cynicism, but ultimately, like, they knew that they followed the law to the letter. And Jesus proved that those who were humble were the ones who, that you had to be humble to call. Think about the disciples for a second. So we're going to compare two people. First would be Nicodemus. Nicodemus, John 3.16, um, in my opinion, the greatest um, summary of the gospel and one of the most common, I'd say the most common uh, passage of scripture uh, that most people have memorized was spoken when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. When we talk about being born again, this was a conversation that Jesus had, or this is phraseology that came out of a conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. It says Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, he was a teacher of the law. And we can tell that he was teachable. He came to Jesus at night when most of them were saying, man, we need to trip Jesus up. We need to try to like, throw a wrench in the plan. Nicodemus comes at night and says, hey, I know you're a teacher. I know you're a teacher because what you've told us, you could not be who you said you are and not tell us this. So teach me more. And we know you're a teacher. So again, if you're picking your team, like again, you're Jesus, you're picking your disciples and you're wanting to send them out and you're picking your team. So you've got a ruler of the Jews, a teacher of the law and a guy who's teachable. He's your number one draft pick, right? Like I want this guy, give him the jersey. He's going like, this is the dude I want next to me. Nicodemus, he's got the reputation. He's got everything you want. This is the guy you pick to build your team and to which turn to turn the world upside down. Well, Nicodemus wasn't an apostle. Nicodemus Follow the Lord, he followed Jesus, we know that, but he wasn't a disciple. Let's look at another one of his disciples. Let's look at Peter. Peter is, uh, we, know, we know about Peter uh, that he's a little brash. Um, we know that he is a fisherman. He's impulsive. He's opinionated. Maybe he's the guy that you see at the market who's yelling at the vendors because he doesn't carry his brand of nets anymore. Like, this is what we kind of see Peter as. You know, Peter's the guy who's like, stands up and makes a definitive statement. And then Jesus kind of corrects him on it, so he makes a definitive statement the other way, right? Like, it's all or nothing. Again, from what we see of Peter, Peter doesn't think through everything all the time. Um, I wouldn't know what that's like. But again, he, he has this disciple, and this is who he picks. He picks Peter. He picks Peter as an apostle. So again, you've got this teachable religious leader or this impulsive fisherman. And Jesus picks Peter. Now imagine he would have picked Nicodemus as his disciple and you're there, you're in Jerusalem and you're seeing Jesus walk through and you're seeing Nicodemus and you've seen Nicodemus a lot and you've heard about this dude Nicodemus and all that he knows and all he can do and you go, well man, to follow Jesus, I've got to be like him? I'll never be like him. That's impossible. But imagine you see the guy who was yelling at the vendor at the market yesterday walking down there and he's with Jesus and you go, man, even Peter, okay. Maybe I can. God seeks the humble. We must be humble. We must humble ourselves in order to come before the Father. And true humility means surrender. We have to surrender because rest takes humility. It does. 
You see, we've got to humble ourselves and we've got to understand that God knows better. God knows better. If it needs to get done, it'll get done. If I need to rest, I was talking to someone recently about um, that they had just been really, really busy with their job and really busy with things and they had not been uh, attending churches. They, and they, they admit, I've just not been going because I've been so, so, so busy. I use that time to study. I study from the morning to night. I'm working. I'm doing all these different things. And, and I thought about it and the Lord gave me this in the moment and he, I thought, okay, so let's just say that you're awake for, let's just say 16 hours a day, okay? And let's say that you spend uh, 14 of those hours studying, Right? That's a lot of studying. But imagine you took and you took 10 of those hours and studied and you took, let's just say those other four hours and you served and you did what God had called you to do. God will bless that 10 hours way more than he will bless that 14 or that 16 or even if you go pull an all-nighter 24. Like God will bless the time that he's given us to accomplish what he's called us to do more than he will if we're saying, you know what, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to rest, Lord. I'm gonna continue to work. We have to humble ourselves. And if we insist on not resting, what we're saying is that God is not sufficient and we are. If I insist and say, you know what, I I, I don't have time to spend time in the word. I don't have time to take time to pray. I don't have time to serve my neighbor. I don't have any of that time. I don't have any time to do that. We're saying, you know what, God can't accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, but I can. True humility means full surrender. Verse 27, Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see, we must accept Jesus fully for who he is and who he says he is 100%. And when we do that, that means that we have to give up all the things that we feel are important. It's no longer about what I feel is important. It's no longer about what I feel is urgent. It's about who God is and who he says his son is and who Jesus, what Jesus calls me to do. Because then if we give ourselves over to Christ, if we surrender the Lord, it becomes 0% about me. It was Paul who said in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Full surrender doesn't just mean reprioritizing our efforts, but it's changing how we accomplish those efforts altogether. Because a lot of times what, we can, what we're doing may be good. It may be good what we're doing. But if I'm the one who's defining success in what I'm doing, then I'm the one saying, well, it worked or it didn't. I'm not depending on God to work. And again, this was not a new concept when Jesus said it. Psalm 27, or Psalm 127, 1 through 3. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it in labor are in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. So oftentimes our, our temptation is to, you, you know, okay, you know, okay, Lord, all right, all right, you want me to do it? All right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to do it. And we don't take time to say, okay, but what does God want me to do in this situation? So our prayer and our goal is not to ask God to give us rest for our efforts, but Lord, give me rest so that I can do what you've called me to do. So when we do something, when we, uh, when we want to accomplish something, we have to ask. When we feel a desire to do something, we have to ask, is this God's will? 
And if the answer is yes, what is my role in it? What are you calling me to do, Lord? Because Satan, uh, Satan is a master at taking what God meant for good and twisting it and turning it on us. So we were designed to work. We want to work. We want to see things happen. We want to do things. But here's the deal. Work will always att- attempt to invade rest. Therefore, to rest is an act of faith. Lord, I, can't, I just can't rest. Have you prayed about resting? Have you prayed for God to give you rest? And again, if we truly pursue Jesus and follow what he wants for us, he will bless our time and he will bless our efforts. So verse 28, we get to this very common passage of scripture. We've, we've all read it, we've all um, experienced it, we've all, went, um, we've all heard it before, and um, it's, it's this, beautiful, this beautiful passage where um, it's just so comforting. Verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, you're a Jew in uh, first century Jerusalem, and you've been told by these religious leaders, do these things, do this, do that. Do the other, do the, all of these things. And then this Jew comes to you, or this uh, teacher who's kind of a, maybe a fringe teacher, you hear him talking and he says, come to me. Come to me. So it's not about doing, doing, doing. Yeah, there's work to do. God calls us to do things. But first and foremost, he says, come to me. The religious leaders say, hey, your burden is to do the law. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You see, Jesus in this moment, remember, in this moment, he is experiencing rejection. He's experiencing people who have seen who he was and what he can do, but still rejected him. He's tired. He's been doing kingdom work. He's experiencing this rejection. And he knew that the world would bring the same rejection to his followers. In fact, one chapter before, he told them, you're going to be like sheep among wolves. Sheep in the midst of wolves. Okay, John 16, uh, In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is no secret. Like, Jesus knows what his followers will experience. He knows what they'll walk through and what they'll experience. But he's telling them, listen, come to me. I've overcome the world. He says, take my yoke upon you. This is the second command. The first one is come to me. The second one is take my yoke. You see, it's, it's, it's not that we take our burdens and we unload them and then we're just, ah, I'm free. Okay, thank you, Lord. I'm done. Whew, I'm glad. No, in order to receive that rest from Jesus, in order to receive that when we come to him, we have to take on the burden of Christ, the burden that he gives us. But here's the thing. 1 John 5, 3, for, the love, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So when we do the work of the Lord, when we, uh, when we seek God, if, we are, if we're working for what God has called us to do, if we're seeking him in our work, if we're seeking him and doing what he has called us to do, and then we're taking the time to rest in the way that he's called us to rest and to rest in the way that he wants us to, then it's easy. 
It comes to us easy because I'm, I'm, I'm continuously laying down my life and I'm continuously taking up my cross and I'm continuously becoming more and more like Jesus and I'm growing in my faith and ultimately all the things that the world has to offer are no longer what I care about. I care more about what Christ has to offer. I care more about what he wants me to do. Will I experience rejection? Absolutely. But you know what? The world's opinion isn't what I value. I value what God says about me and who he says I am. And therefore I will do that. And here's the thing. We could be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Again, as, as someone who is a pastor and who works at church, we have very, very busy seasons. And there are times where I feel really, really worn down and I feel tired from all the things we've done. And I just get overwhelmed and I begin thinking. And, uh, you know, with, with that, God has been teaching me a lot about, hey, listen, you need to rest. Celebrate what God's doing. Think about why you're doing what you're doing. Take a minute, read, read his word. Take a minute to pray. Take a minute to meditate on who he is. Take time to dwell in the Lord. Take time to, come, to go to him. Take time to come to Jesus to reorient why we're doing what we're doing. And the third thing he says is learn from me. Learn from me. When we join with Jesus in what he's already doing, it's restful. You see, the burden and the yoke that Jesus puts on us is one where we take advantage of the opportunities that he puts before us. But such is our tendency. We have this really bad tendency to say, okay, God, I know my goal. I know what you want me to do. Okay, I'll see you later. And then we move on and we do things our own way and we do what we want to do. We cannot overestimate our involvement in kingdom work and we can't underestimate God's. I can't say, you know what, Lord, I'll do this. I'll do this whole thing. I'm, I'm fine. I used to have a preacher who talked about, he'd say, you know what? You get, you, get so, you get so hyped up, you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Right? Like we, we, can't, we can't get to that point. We have to realize that it's God who does the work. We just get to be a part of it. God blesses us through showing the work that he is doing to others. And you know what? He even lets us be a part of it. So what if, what if you can't rest? What if you say, man, I just, I just don't feel restful. Listen, I'm not good at resting either. I'm not good at sitting still, if, if you can't tell, you know. Um, I'm not good at sitting still. I'm not good at, like, being quiet either. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place most of the time. Um, but what if I can't rest? Well, maybe there's some reasons. What if we're trying to compromise with the world? What if we're trying to say, okay, what, is, what does the world want me to do? Okay, how can, how can I take all, all the benefits from Jesus, all the good things that I want, but also kind of hang on to these things I've got over here? What, can, can I do that? Well, 1 John 2.15, anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Remember, God embraces the humble. God embraces those who lower themselves, who empty themselves, who say, you know what? I have nothing to offer, but you 100% are everything. I have to commit to you. You are the only one that matters. Not what I want, not my goals and my ambitions, but who you are is what matters. Again, Jesus said his burden is light, but only to those who have surrendered to him. We can't wear two yokes, right? We can't, we can't try to pull our own birds along and also try to add this one over here. That's not the way it works. We can't pull our burdens and also take on the burden of Christ. We can't do that. We have to humble ourselves. We cannot compromise with the world. Maybe we insist on our own way. 
It's this idea, okay, God, I understand, what, I understand my assignment, but I'll do the work. Or I know, I know what's best. I know how to do it. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If I insist on my own way, if I insist on doing it my way, then I'm insisting that I know best. But in order to find rest in the Lord, in order to pursue God, I have to accept that I don't. I have to accept that I can be selfish. I can accept that I can have ulterior motives. I, can accept, I have to accept that I have a sinful nature. In order to take the yoke of Jesus, we have to get rid of our own. I can't find rest in Christ if I don't see my complete and utter need for a Savior. Not, not you know, well, I've got like 90% of need for a Savior. No, I am desperately lost. I am nothing. I am separated. There is no hope apart from our Savior. Maybe we aren't asking God to spiritually guide us. Maybe God has called you to something and you know what, you've walked with him for a while and you've gotten there, but maybe you've become a little bit stagnant. Maybe you've just kind of settled into your place and settled into what you feel like you are supposed to do and you haven't continued praying about it. You haven't continued praying for those opportunities or praying that God speak through you. James 1.5, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Think about when you're, you're physically or emotionally tired. You're, you're, you're wore out. Maybe it's a busy season at work. Maybe it's, you know, uh, maybe it's post-vacation, weirdly enough. Um, whatever it is, you're physically and mentally tired. Well, you're not quite as patient as you normally are. Uh, you tend not to think as clearly. Um, you, we tend to be a little more irritable. And overall, we're just not our best, right? When we're stressed, when we're exhausted. Now think about when we're spiritually tired. Can we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit if the Spirit isn't in us, if we're not asking the Spirit to guide us? They're imperfect in us when our souls are tired. It's all about the rest we find. It's all about us seeking God in everything that we do and seeking Him in every situation. You see, because at the end of the day, what we've got to understand is that Jesus took our our immovable burden, right? We were sinful. We have a sinful nature coming in. The world is sinful. We've all sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing we can do. This has been true for all of, all of time. There's nothing that I can do on myself. I can't gain enough wages of good deeds in order to pay that in to pay off my debt. So Jesus took that burden from us. He took that burden all the way to a cross, all the way to a separation from his father who he had never been separated before that he had existed eternally with. When we put on the yoke of Christ and we carry his burden, we're joining in what he's doing. So that burden that he not only took on, but defeated in his resurrection, Jesus is the one doing most, most of the pulling. But we get to come alongside him. We get to be a part of it. Again, his burden or uh, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the word, that word light means well-fitting. It's tailor-made for what God has created you to do. You see, whatever God has called us to do is easily accomplished through him, but only through him. 
When God has called us to, to do these things, God has called each one of us to do far more than what we are capable of doing. We were created for a purpose. We were created intentionally. We were created for such a thing that he has said, this is what this person is called to accomplish. And when we give our lives over to him, when we empty ourselves, when we commit to him and we humble ourselves before him, God will accomplish more through us than we could ever possibly dream of doing through ourselves. Because he's the one who defines what, um, what faithfulness is. He's the one who defines what success is. He's the one who defines what uh, our goal and our purpose is. And better yet, he's the one who accomplishes it. We just get to walk alongside him and we get to see the goodness of God. We just get to walk alongside him and we get to see how good he is. How great he is. When we have Jesus bearing our burden and the Holy Spirit guiding us, we will find rest from a world that is against us because of what we know to be true, because of what we believe, because ultimately, in order for me to humble myself, I have to admit that I'm sinful and that I'm wrong. And that's a really, really difficult message, and that's really, really hard to admit sometimes. But if I'm willing to submit, empty myself, and fully commit to the Lord... He will give me rest. He'll give you rest. He gives us rest when we are fully surrendered to him, when we give ourselves over to him. He's faithful to give us rest. And here's the thing. If you find it, I'm gonna ask Chris to go ahead and come up. If you find it difficult um, to accomplish what, you, what God has called you to do, well, maybe, maybe you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Maybe you're thinking, oh, God, I don't know if I can do what you want me to do. Well, are you letting God do what he's called you to do or are you trying to do it on your own? Again, he's good. We have to know that his yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. Again, if we are working to do what he has called us to do and we are resting and reestablishing what he has called us to do in his way, in the way that he's called us to, again, humbling ourselves, doing what he's called us to and resting in him, then it's easy. His yoke is easy and his burden's light. But when we try to hang on to everything else, when we try to say, you know what, I want, I want both things. I want to be able to do what I want to do, but yeah, I'll also do what God wants me to do. We can't possibly hope to be happy. We can't possibly hope to find rest. Why? Because our heart desires something greater than ourselves. Our heart desires, our soul's desire to be back with our creator. Everyone built in, every single person is this desire to be back with our creator. But our sinful nature also says, but yeah, live for this moment. Live for, live for this day. Live for this world. So within us, there's these two things pulling us both ways. And that's tiresome. It's exhausting. And if we, if we do say yes to the things of the world and we commit to the things of the world and we go over here, well, then our soul is still going to be tired because the creator of our soul is not with us. But if we give up the things of the world and we lean into the Lord and we humble ourselves and we bow down and we truly seek him, and I mean truly seek him, I don't mean just when we come to the end of our rope, you know what, Lord, I'll do whatever you say, just get me out of this situation. I mean in every moment we say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who labor, but it's God who labors. It is he who guides me. And Jesus, or in God in his infinite grace, 
not only sent his son to die for us, to die on a cross because I deserve death because of my sin, he sent his son to take that burden on himself and to carry that burden. And not only that, but in his infinite grace, Jesus overcame that burden, overcame that punishment, which was, a, um, which was guaranteed because of my sinful nature. He overcame that punishment and he rose from the dead. And not only that, when Jesus went back to heaven, he said, I will send with you a helper, a counselor, a comforter. We, if you are a Christ follower, you have the spirit of God residing in you. You have the spirit of God who's doing the work and you just get to be a part of it. You have the spirit of God guiding you, comforting you, helping you to find rest, helping you to find only the rest that Jesus offers. So I invite you today, come to him. Come to him. Find that rest. If you've been a Christ follower for, for years and you say, Blake, I'm just, I'm weary. Okay, come to him. His burden is easy or his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Come to him. Commit to him. What are you hanging on to? What are we hanging on to? What are the things that we're trying to compromise? Where are we trying to compromise? It is God who gives us rest. It is God who gives us rest. If you're not reading God's word, if you're not taking time to intentionally pray and to meditate on who God is and what he's done for you, no wonder, no wonder we're not restful. No wonder we're tired, we're spiritually tired and exhausted. So I encourage you, if you, if you want somebody to come pray with you, this, this is also the beauty of the body of Christ. When we are weary, when we are tired, that we have others to come around us to pray for us. We have others to come around us to, to lean into us and to pray for us and to, um, to help us with those burdens. So I encourage you, if you need to come to the front and you need to pray, this is, this is a place where you can be prayed over. Other people will pray with you.
we have some praying up here? We, we live in a we live in a chaotic, fractured, sinful, sinful world. And, and no matter how hard we try, we can't get away from the fact that uh, that, that that we are broken and that we we are exhausted and uh, and that we are just we're all seeking peace. Ultimately, that's what everybody is seeking is peace. We want peace. And we look to other things to give it to us. We look to, maybe it's, maybe it's a desire to be right in a situation. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, um, may, maybe it's in accomplishing your goals. Maybe it's in just purely working as hard as you can. We all seek peace. But apart from Christ, apart from Jesus, apart from our Savior, we will never find peace. We will chase it. We will pursue it. We will run as hard and as fast as we can to find it. But we will not find it apart from him. We will not find it apart from the Lord. So as they're continuing praying, I want to ask Chris to sing again. I want you to just uh, to pray and, and pray, Lord, it, it's, not as if, it's not as if we're pulling a, a slot machine and maybe God will give us rest. Maybe Jesus will give us rest or maybe not. No, he will give you rest. He will give you rest. His promises are yes. He has said it. He has said it. If we have faith in him, he will give us rest. If we give ourselves to him, he will give us rest. So I pray today as we go, we're going to sing more time. If, if you're desiring rest, if you have, if, if it's, if you were just needing rest, come to the Lord. Again, that, that may not be here this morning. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's this afternoon. But ultimately, if you want somebody to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you again. We'd love to pray with you if you want to come to the front. If not, call me this afternoon. Call me tomorrow. Call me this week. Call uh, one, one of our deacons or call, call a friend who you know who pursues the Lord, and we will pray that for you. Lord, may we be a people who seeks you. Not only in what do you call us to do, but Lord, may we be a people who seeks you to find peace, to find purpose, to find fulfillment, to find love, to find acceptance. Lord, may we not define ourselves by any of our accomplishments, Lord. May we define ourselves by who you are and who you say we are. Lord, I, I feel hesitant to pray that people find rest because we know we can find rest. We can find rest in you and in you alone. So Lord, I'll, I'll pray that I, I pray that we find and we seek you. You're faithful to give us rest. You're faithful to, to equip us for what's next. God, despite what we've done, despite what we've walked through, God, if we've drifted away from you, God, when we recenter on you and when we ask forgiveness of our sins, when we truly humble ourselves and truly surrender to you, God, you give us rest and you give us peace. And it's a peace which surpasses all understanding. The, the world knows nothing of it. The world can't give it to us. They don't even know what it is or what it feels like. But God, you give it to those who trust in you, who surrender to you. God, I pray that if we ask why our lives are, why we're, what we're walking through is difficult or why we feel, we, we feel spiritually exhausted, God, we know that your yoke is easy. It's easy. Your burden is light. God, I 
pray that we work for you. We don't work for our own gain. We don't work just to, to do what's easy or to make our life simple, but God, that we work for you. And God, I pray that in that work, as we go out into a hostile world and as we go out and we, we share your love with people who don't know and as we give that, uh, uh, as we point them back to you, God, first of all, we thank you for letting us be a part of that. But God, second of all, I pray that once we've done that, when we, when we retreat back to somewhere where we're by ourselves, when we get back to somewhere where we're not in the world, but God, we're alone, I pray that we don't, we don't think rest is just, just a binging a TV show or, or doing a hobby, but God, we find rest in your word and in your words that we find rest in prayer to you, that we find rest in knowing who you are and what you have done. Lord, may we not make it about what we do, but that we come to you because in you we find rest for our souls. We find rest in you, God. Lord, as we go out, as we minister to others, I pray that we point them to where they can find that rest, they can find that peace. God, you're faithful. You are faithful. If you said you would do it, you do it. And Lord, we can find rest in you when we surrender to you. Lord, thank you. I ask these things in your name. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.